I am the Rock Out of Podcasting, Charles McFall. And uh, you're getting the you're getting the down sleepy hair today. I have not uh, done my hair up in my traditional mohawk, fauxhawk, fun hairstyle that I like to do. It's it's earlier for me. It's well, okay, it's noon, but I had to get up early this morning and do some stuff, and and that's how that goes. And man, that that uh, that fade doesn't go very far, does it? Let me let me do it over here. So hey, I am going to talk about being grateful for nothing. And what do I mean by that? Well, I don't want to talk about uh, low-income housing, right? I mean, low-income lifestyle, minimum-wage lifestyle. The, the, the easy spot to be to say, I've got nothing. I ain't got shit. So what the hell do I got to be grateful for? And that's my ungrateful voice, uh, if you're curious about that. That is how that works. So I am, though, as I do, getting everything set up for shares, for likes, for all of that jazz. I'd love for you to do that. We do, I do this on Facebook Live. Now, currently, currently, people, I don't really have a schedule. I, I, my life is all over the place with the different gigs and my family, everything. And I am going to put this in on my page, talking about how to be Grateful when you ain't, I like this, ain't got shit. Boom. Um, I won't talk about that. There's a lot of cool stuff going on with that today. Share it, like it, uh, heart it, those kind of things. And, of course, if you're on the podcast, you can check out me at Rock Out of Podcasting on Facebook.com. It is what you think it is, Facebook.com forward slash Rock Out of Podcasting for anybody you can email me, rgop at charlesmcfall.com. Twitter is at rockoutapod. All of that stuff, rockoutapodcasting.com has the speak pipe tab. You can leave me a voicemail, ask me a question, ask me anything, and I will talk about it. If you'd like to not have your voice or you'd like to you know, withhold your information, just email me. Let me know that. We'll take care of it. So uh, lots of great stuff going on in my life right now, man. I am getting ready to take off to the Pokemon Go Fest. That is tomorrow when I'm leaving. And it is Thursday of the week, Thursday at noon. Well, 11.59 if you're counting. And I got my coffee this morning. And I had to get up. I had to get up today to uh, take my two littlest ones to see their grandmother. Uh, we've arranged, or my, grand, my mother arranged uh, for them to come and basically spend the day with her and my father. Because uh, all the other kids are getting camps and getting to go away. And they've gotten to do VBSs and stuff. It was just a special time. This is the first time that the two of them have gone out basically by themselves. Right? They've always had the older siblings. And usually one of the parents, you know, me and my, or my wife, were there. And so that's, uh, that's a new thing for them. They're very excited. But I didn't sleep that great last night. I've been thinking, I'm excited, man. I'm excited. I, I was going through my mind about how I was going to do the media for Pokemon Go Fest. And that's all changing kind of now. And I was excited about what's coming up with Dragon Con and what's going on there. I'm also excited about the Podcast Award nominations are open. Podcastawards.com. You can nominate this show, and I'd really, really, really love it if you did. Just go over to podcastawards.com. It says, if you don't have an account, click here. And you don't, if you've never done it before, and you can only do it one time. So you would know if you've done it before. If you've never done it before... Then you just click the thing that would get a new account, put in your name. It's a little basic information. And then you put me into People's Choice, which would be awesome. It's all drop-down menus. It's super simple. People's Choice, Rock Out of Podcasting. And then Society and Culture. 
is Rock Out of Podcasting, and that's where I, I am. Of course, you can put Breaking the Panel and TV and Movies, uh, Blazing the Fender Report, Entertainment, uh, Pokemon Go Podcast, and Gaming. So those kind of things are all awesome. And you've only got to the end of July. It's a one-time deal. After that, unless you volunteer to be a uh, – if you volunteer to be a voter, then otherwise – you can. Otherwise – you, there's nothing else for me to ask you to do. And even if you volunteer to be a voter, there's nothing else for me to ask you to do. They will a raw voice, uh, and we'll handle that from there. So thank you. Thank you for going and nominating my show. So I'm grateful. I am grateful that that is going on, right? So uh, let's let's set some ground rules here. Let's set some, some parameters, really, is what I'm going for, of what I'm talking about today. When I define poor, I definitely mean under the poverty level or at least low middle class. Because we think, oh, middle class is, I've always thought, let me just rephrase, I've always thought middle class are the people who own their homes, but both, maybe both adults work, you know, it's tighter, uh, those kind of things. Income-wise, I don't know what middle class is, but I know upper middle class can go up to $150,000 a year. I've, I've... I enjoyed middle middle class for many years at sixty grand a year, uh, but for the most part, what I'm going to be talking about today is is when I lived on a whole lot less. And I'll tell you my experiences with that and and what I learned from them. Right, how I learned to never focus on the I'm just I don't make money to being grateful. And I want to talk about how you put gratitude out, how you help others be awesome. Right? How you put that out there to then have people help you. And what you see yourself as is what you are. I mean, there's so many aspects that go into this. But the parameters definitely, when I say poor, I'm meaning between 20 and 30,000, sometimes less. Right? And I'll explain all that. I'm meaning definitely the people who work two or three jobs. Uh, right now, my wife gets frustrated. And it's, I honestly don't know why. I'm going to have a real moment here. Because my wife listens to this sometimes. She'll watch this sometimes. She she pops in and, and checks me out and those kind of things. Yeah, she does. <laughs> and uh, she gets frustrated sometimes when people are like, oh, what do your husband do? Which I never get asked that about my wife. I never get, I mean, maybe people assume, I mean, in this day and age, how do you assume somebody stays at home? That I, I don't think that happens very much. So I, I just never get asked, oh, what does your wife do? And she could work. I mean, she could work. That's what my wife could do. And so, I don't know, man. It, it's just it's it's just a thing. And she gets frustrated because she says, well, he hosts trivia. And he hosts karaoke. And, well, he also does this audio for this church thing. And he does this podcast and that podcast. And I mean, she just, she loses track of everything. And for some reason, it frustrates her. And I think still that plays into what I've talked about change the last episode I did. She is no fan of change, and you can go listen to that episode to hear everything I said about that. But in reality, when you've got less money, and we do, we make, I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you, we make, I think last year I filed on $33,000 uh, for the year with two adults and four kids. I uh, lost my house a couple years ago, uh, 2013. That yeah, We're going to get to that. We're going to get to all this stuff. This isn't a poor pill for me. This is a... How many times do I come to you and I'm energetic and I'm happy and I'm excited? And, and I am. The reason I want to talk about gratitude today is because I'm so grateful for stuff that's going on this weekend and stuff that's going on in my life, stuff that I've wanted for a very long time. It is happening now, and I'm so grateful, but I've got to get you there, right? I want to talk about where I came from and how much I believe I invested into the universe and how much gratitude I did put out. Now, 
I put out some bitchiness. I have put out some misery, misery. No, miser being the penny pincher guy, misery being a miserable. I've definitely put that out into the universe many times. So I, I want to talk about this because it's easy when you're in a good spot, right? It's easy when all your bills are paid and you can take a vacation every year and you do. Nothing wrong with anything that I'm saying here. I am a fan of the Dave Ramsey School of Thought with a Financial Peace University. I would hesitate to say I'm a fan of his. I think he's a little too Christian for my taste. I think he's a little too non-listening. You know, when somebody says something, he he doesn't fully process. And maybe he doesn't need to. Maybe he, he does know all the answers. I don't know. But I do know this. The program works. Financial Peace University. I've went through it myself. I've taught it a number of times. If you, just like AA or any other program you could think of that has been around for a long time, if you work the steps, you know, you'll, you, it'll work. It'll be good. So, uh, it doesn't look like I'm going to do the chat room today because for some reason my uh, capture of that is off. Something's not right there. It's not, not that anybody's in there chatting right now, but it's, it's not catching. So, it's all podcast just live on camera today. So let's start in the beginning. In the beginning, there was a little black boy in Mississippi named Rock God of Podcasting. <laughs> no, seriously though, I born I was born in Orlando, Florida. I'm not sure what my father was doing for a living then, but at some point in the process, he was called. You know, and that's and that's that's churchy speak for saying that God wants you to preach. Uh, maybe. Maybe. I'm not here to argue or, or debate the merits of God or being called. I do believe everybody has a job that they fit in perfectly. And if that's saving souls and believing in religion, that's for you. My dad did very well at that um, by by my standards. And, you know, I've always felt like he stayed true to his message. Uh, when he was challenged on something, he found a way to to disagree yet never hate. That I could tell. He could disagree and never hate on it. Uh, he believes he's a Southern Baptist preacher. He believes uh, being gay is wrong. Uh, but he, at the same time, had a gay half-brother, and he did good with that. So I am messaging Carl Dodge right now to let him know that uh, he here's my my uh, points. Uh, anyway, so I grew up, uh, by the time I was three, because my, my sister was born in New Orleans, uh, and that's where my father went to seminary. And I do remember the apartment a little bit there and some of the experience there. But we lived in this apartment. I have no idea how we did it. I, I know he was at seminary going to school. And then uh, we were in this really low-rent apartment. It may have been kind of a dorm for seminary. I imagine most people go to seminary or older People not straight out of college. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe a lot of young pastors are called. I don't know. My dad wasn't super old, but he had a wife and uh, one and a half kids, right? Because my sister was born while we were there at, at seminary. And I remember her being around, so maybe she's born right as we start. I don't know how many years it was. It doesn't matter. But we're in low-rent apartments, for sure. And... Everywhere we've moved, it's been dependent on the wages of the church and the position and what they could do. And some churches own homes. And to be, let's let's jump to the point here. I've had to rely on 
the kindness of strangers all of my life, essentially. Okay. So going to a new church, you know nobody. The church might own the home. And that's great because then they pay you less, which is not great. But there's no house payment. And some churches, they paid the house and the utilities. Some own the house and you paid the utilities. And they would negotiate your rates that way. But my dad, I want to say he made twenty grand or less, more, more or less in that neighborhood, most of the life that I knew of. So you're talking about poor, man. Our vacations were we could get to North Carolina in the summer where my grandparents were or Florida in the winter where my grandparents migrated to. They went back and forth. Sometimes we'd go see my cousins in Jacksonville or they'd come see us. But those were those vacations is get there, help out some. I'm imagining you help out some with the food, but there was, there was you know, in Jacksonville we'd go to the beach. It was free. And that's what we do. We hang out with our cousins all week and we'd go to the beach. In Dundee, Florida, which is a little out, about an hour outside of Orlando, that's where my grandparents were. We would just visit with them. We we would you know they would take us around, do stuff. They'd always pay for the meals and anything that we did. It was it was fun time. And then we'd see them again as a tra- whenever they migrated, they would stop over at least a night or two with us and and visit where we lived. And it was cool. And just North Carolina, same way. Now North Carolina was the side of a mountain. And there was just fun, you know, outdoorsy fun stuff to do in Florida. It was a, a retirement community, but they had a pool and, and different things. It was, it was what I knew, right? That those were my vacations, and I loved it. I thought this was the greatest thing in life, because I get to go see some of my favorite people in the world, my cousins or my grandparents. I get to do stuff I don't get to do at home. Uh, I know we never ate sugary cereal, and part of that was my mother and her stance on sugar. Part of that was also. Uh, the the cost factor of of name brand foods, to be honest. I mean, we were on a tight budget. As long as I can remember, we had farmers, because uh, we started off in South Georgia for my dad's career, and ended up in middle Georgia, uh, you know, Athens, whatever you call that. It's not north Georgia. North Georgia was when you hit the mountains. So upper middle Georgia, whatever. Anyway, we started off in the south, and farmers, I remember, would bring us corn vegetables all kind of stuff hunters would bring us deer meat and that's how we we survived was on that stuff and i remember actually so i remember that when my father i I told the story uh, i think in faith versus religion episode i told the story about being kicked out of the church and that's a whole ordeal, and that's not part of the story here. I mean, it plays in, but it's, I want to talk about being grateful even when things are tight. And getting kicked out of church, and my dad went and got a job at Walmart. Well, even at part-time then, I can't remember if he's part-time or full-time, but even at whatever level he was at, he got insurance. That covered all of us. And I remember that's the first time we'd had insurance, maybe ever. And my mom tried her damnedest to get all the dentistry. I mean, she said, hey, while we have it, we're going to use it. We're going to get all the dentistry work we can get done done and um, you know, get some of these things checked out. Like my sister and I had allergies, so she was able to schedule with insurance. She's able to schedule allergy tests and find out what the allergens were and this and that and the other. My sister had it worse than I, uh, for sure. She had some asthma-related stuff going on as a kid. And, but this is life, right? This is this is fine. And I, I'll, here's what I know about it. 
I'd wake up. I had my own room. I had a bed to sleep in. I wore hand-me-down clothes. Man, people would show up at all ages of life. People would show up with bags of clothes, and they'd give them to my family. And I'd get new shorts that were perfectly fine and shirts and shoes and stuff that's expensive for kids growing up. And I would get that, and sometimes it was named Brandon. That was like, woo, right? Pacific Ocean was was the big one um, <laughs> when I was a kid. And I remember loving my Pacific Ocean shirt when I got it. Uh, you know, all kind of stuff. And that it was just the life we had. It was our house. I didn't think about somebody else owning it. It was our house. We, we ran it the way we wanted to. My mom would go get groceries on her regular trips or whatever that she would do. And it was just it was just an interesting time. I'm gonna try something here because it is, it is bothering me that that nobody is in. Uh, guess on. Okay. I'm gonna refresh this. It's all good. It's all good. I'm sorry to drag the the podcast down, but I'm gonna refresh that just to see make sure everything's working right. So you know it's just life, right? And and we were homeschooled. Which I did prefer, and that, that can be a whole nother show. That can be a whole nother show that I do. i let if you want to talk about homeschooling versus whatever else schooling that goes on. And I don't know, it's just, it was just good. It, I, was, I was happy. I learned faith during that time, right? I learned that, you know, we talked about God. We talked about Faith, we talked about God will provide. And that's all I ever knew. When I flipped on the light switch, the light switch came on. When I went to the refrigerator, there was food in the refrigerator. Um, Here's some crazy fun stuff. VCRs were invented when I was a kid. They were, as any new tech, is super expensive. I want to say in the 80s, early 80s, right, they were, or whenever they were invented, I, I, I remember... If I was born in 77, so by the time I was at least 8 to 10 years old, so let's just say 87, the VCRs were around. And they were three, or $400. They were expensive. Well, the church that my dad worked for was a big church in the area. And they bought one, but they were afraid to leave it at the church due to being stolen. It was, it was Everybody wanted one, right? It's high-end, high-tech, all this jazz. And they picked my dad, for whatever reason, to take it home every week. So we had a VCR in our house to keep it safe. And, and at the time, that was the safest way to do it. You know, there was none of this serial number tracking. There was no, I mean, I guess it could have gotten a safe and all that, but whatever. We got, I got to grow up with high-tech stuff that we didn't have to pay for. That was awesome. That was amazing. So I did that. And... Just everything I knew was just, ah, oh, this is life. It's good. We want to go somewhere. There's gas in the car. We own a car. I remember my dad bought a car while we were there, and he did it through a used dealer. I had toys. I had an allowance. Whatever my parents did then, I didn't see any hardships. I can look back and go, wow, we were poor. But we didn't go on trips. We went to see family, and it wasn't three or four times a year. It was once, maybe twice a year. And it was all depending on how things went. Because it still cost gas money to get down there. It still cost food on the road to get down there. And it was just an ordeal. But I I knew my vacations weren't Disney World. Although that did happen. That's neither here nor there. I did get a trip to Epcot Center 
when it opened. I, I think it was 87 when I went there. But my point is, it's just like my, my, my parents played games with me. We watched TV. But it was poor life. But I learned to be grateful for the cool stuff. Be grateful for the birthday parties. Now, here's how poor we were. So at my birthday party, it, well, if I had a party, right, uh, that, that's, that's a whole different story. But Christmas, let's say Christmas, at Christmas. There was never really a Christmas list. And we definitely didn't do Santa in my house. We did Jesus in my house. And we'd have every Christmas Eve. I mean, we'd decorate the house at whatever point before Christmas, usually around Thanksgiving, I guess. So we'd have the tree up and this and that. We'd have a real tree. And because uh, fake trees were very expensive, and, and yeah, that was not a thing for us for a long time. And we put up, we'd always put up a, a picture of the nativity scene on the wall. And every Christmas Eve, my mom would read the story. Uh, I don't know if it varied or if she'd read straight from the Bible or whatever. Uh, so. We we did Jesus in our house. And my friends were getting four-wheelers, and they were getting, I mean, high-end stuff. And I never was mad at my parents. I never remember ever thinking, well, I have that. Now, as a kid, I was like, oh, that's so cool. You got that. They got that for Christmas. But I never felt like I missed out. I remember getting uh, electric race car, RC race car track, you know, the cars that go on the track, and you do the controller, and it Uh, That was so cool. Tons of Star Wars stuff. I've gotten bicycles. I've gotten uh, uh, construction kits. And not Legos. Uh, There was a special educational toy, but I loved it. It was this thing where I could build robots and motor in it and move, and it's all in bubble pieces. And I could build stuff and make it move, and that was awesome. Bicycles, I think I might have mentioned that. But at the same time, that was a good Christmas, the one I'm particularly thinking of. But there was Christmases where I might get one or two toys, a book or something. You know, that one, I was a reader, so I wanted books. But I also get socks and dress shirts for church and dress pants for church, which I hated. I hated it because I was always forced to dress up, always. And I hated it. And so to get that as a present, it really chapped my ass. I really, really, really hated that. So... I just did what I, what any kid would do. I just like, eh, whatever, and I moved on. I remember the big year I wanted Transformers. We were, we were doing Christmas with my grandparents because my uncle was able to come down during Christmas. It was one of the few times we could coordinate where he could get off work. And he, I think he was starting to get sick at that point in his life. He was developing. He had, I think he had been diagnosed with muscular. God, I always get it wrong. It's the one where you're older and you develop the issues with your muscles. I think it's muscular dystrophy i think muscular sclerosis is the young adult killer and but he i think had been diagnosed so it's like hey let's get the family together so we did christmas in north carolina or uh sorry in florida and he got me a remote control porsche and that was that was the jam right that was the year i got i got that i got my parents got me one transformer but also got socks and shirts and all this other stuff and as a kid unreal realistic expectations i'm imagining just tons of Transformers are going to be all lined up. And I'm like, no, I got one. But I got one. I mean, that's the thing. I got one. A real, honest to God, Transformers, was, I don't know what generation it was. It was uh, Hot Rod when he became uh, Rodimus Prime after Optimus died. So that's, 
that's uh, what I got. Anyway, it, it was that that is ups and downs, right? Birthdays the same way. It wasn't until I was older, so we we got kicked out of church, and and all of a sudden my dad got a job at Walmart, and that's paying the bills. And we 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 did move out, moved down the street to a friend's house, and that's neither here nor there. But I knew it was a transition phase. I'm like, okay, this kind of sucks, but it's it's an adventure for me. It's something new. I'm just going on and doing it. Guilt worked, and my parents felt guilty. My dad bought me a, a Nintendo when it came out um, that year uh, because he worked at Walmart and got a discount and saved up his money and really wanted me to have it. And I get that. You know, I get that. When we were going through tough times with my kids, I we do Christmas Town, uh, Stone Mountain Christmas. We call it Christmas Town, but it's officially called a Stone Mountain Christmas in Stone, Mount, Stone Mountain, Georgia. And, uh, you know, uh, we were at the point where we weren't necessarily paying our bills. It was right after I got laid off in 2013, and unemployment was dicking me around, and I could not find steady work, and it was tough. And our morning mom, just I was talking to him one day, and he just got struck in his heart, and he's just like, he tried to sneak it in without me noticing while we're on the phone. But, of course, I got noticed. I got, I'm always doing multiple things. And I was talking through Skype to him. And so I got a notification in my email. And I, he sent me money just out of the kindness of his heart. And I, was, I didn't know what to do. I kind of teared up. And I was saying, thank you. And he's like, you know, do whatever whatever makes you happy with that. You know, just go go do something to make you happy. And so I told my wife what he had done. And that's the, the amount of money he gave us is the amount of money we needed to go to Christmas town. And she's like, but I, f- I feel so bad because we 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 could we could be paying a bill. I was like, look, we have no idea what's going to happen with this shit. I mean, we don't know if we're going to pay our bills. We know we're losing the house. I mean, at that point, we knew we were losing the house. We were in the process of of. Well, no, uh, I don't. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter exactly. But we knew doom and and despair were coming, and we're there to a point. I said, but you know what? In the future, years from now, maybe not next year, but year, you know, two years, three years from now, twenty years from now, this will pass. We forget the bad shit. That's how women can still have babies, right? You get multiple babies because if you don't have anything, and it does depend on the woman, but statistically, generically, it hurts to have a baby. And you know, some women get the medicine, some don't. And this is your choice, is whatever. But the reason you can go back and have a second one after it hurting and you're pushing a body out of your body is because we forget. We remember the positive. We remember the love and the here's my kid and I love that. And, and you know, my wife was deathly ill. Oh my God. She was so sick the first three months of having our first son, Oakland. And, I mean, just, uh, just cold after cold after cold on top of just. You know, there's morning sickness, right, where women wake up. But she was nauseous 24-7. Anything could set her off. She stayed in bed a lot. It was rough for her. It was tough. But then after those three months passed, at almost a three-month mark, it got better. And while there were still some things that would always – she was more hypersensitive to smells and those kind of things, it got better. So by the time we wanted to have Crosby, those memories are faded. We knew about it. We can sit here to today and talk about how sick she was and some of the stuff that happened. Like, <laughs> so I was sitting on a chaise, and a chaise is like a big, long one-person couch, if you don't know. And I, you kind of lean back in it, and I'd eaten dinner or something there, 
And I went to sit up as she's walking across the room. She's a good five, six feet away from me. And I sit up, and all of a sudden, I was like, Bruh, you know, because it was there. And not fully, like, all the way across the room, but like I said, five, six feet away. So it's not like it burped in her face. She all of a sudden, her knees buckle, and she grabs the wall. I mean, it was a real moment. She about hit the floor because it just grossed her out, and she is all she could do not to vomit right there. And that's how sensitive she was. And although I felt bad, I laughed my ass off at it because it was hilarious. Uh, she did it to herself a month later. She's walking through the house and had a pregnancy burp and about hit the floor because it grossed her out so much is all she could do to stand up and not throw up. It was funny. <laughs> my point is we forget the bad and we remember the good. So the point with the, the Christmas town was I said, he would want us to make memories because we're going to look back on this time in our life. And the two older ones absolutely will remember this. This is a traumatic experience for them. They will remember this. I and she will remember this. But I want to, I want to remember high moments, too. I never want to look back and go, well, we've done this every year as a family except that one because that was the Christmas that was horrible. That's a choice you make. That is a choice you make. And I said, fuck that shit. We're going to make the right choice. We're going to make the choice to take this $200 and spend it getting ourselves into the park and a little bit of fun. You know, a little bit of food, a little bit of, of, of knickknacks to have. You know, they have a candy shop that we visit there because they make candy on site. Those kind of things. It's a once-a-year thing. And not go crazy, right? But we're going we're gonna to do this. And we're going to make memories so that when we look back, and go, yeah, that was a dark time. But, man, we did not let that stop us. We had a great time, and we can. She's even now, she talks about, I'm glad that we did that. I'm glad that there's not a gap in our, there's only one gap ever in our Christmas town since Aaron and I were to, been together. Uh, when we were uh, married, first married, we started going. And every kid has gone their entire lives. The only gap was when she had Ryland, because he was born in November, we go in November. Uh, we never wait. We don't. We try to wait. We try to get as close to as early as we can in to avoid crowds and to enjoy it with some cold. Well, it has to be cold, right? It has to feel like it might actually snow. It'd be fun there. Um, but we want it cold to feel wintry because it's all wintry stuff. But we also want it to be away from crowds and, and those kind of things where it's super packed. And so there was no way he could go. He was too little. He, he had to have that six weeks clearance before he could really go out. And I know some people do it anyway, and that's just not me. And Aaron really wasn't up to going on a family trip like that, especially with a newborn baby. So I asked Oakland and Crosby, who were the only two other kids at the time. And they were old enough to understand. I said, look, we do this as a family. Mom's family. Ryland is family. But mom really wants us to go because she doesn't want us to miss out on this experience. What do you think? Do we say, no, we're not going this year because we do this as a family, or do we go and have fun and, and enjoy ourselves? And I, I pitched it that way. I was like, it's going to be fun, and we will have a blast. But And they both went, no, it's not. we go with mom or we don't go. It's like, that's my babies right there. And that's the reason. And it was a good reason. We had a beautiful baby boy in our house, and nobody hated he was there. And the money we would have spent on Christmas down, we made sure to do extra good presents for the kids, you know, better presents. That's our present to ourselves is, is Christmas down. It's, it's not expensive, but it's 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 a chunk of money to go have an event. But we'd rather give memories and good times than stuff. The stuff 
gets broken, stuff disappears. I mean, Deadpool has his back to me. That's how mad he is about stuff right now. <laughs> uh, so we we just man, we just lived, right? So growing, going back to growing up, forgetting the bad, doing the good. We moved. We moved to a farm community that owned the house. They couldn't pay my dad that much, and again, farmers. You know, I, I was at the age I was a teenager, so my mom, I wouldn't go work for them, but they said, "Hey, whatever you come pick, you can have, you can keep." And so we go out in the summer mornings with the gnats and the heat, and uh, I was so miserable. But we'd pick two or three, four grocery bags full of corn. And then we'd go back to the house and we'd shuck it all, right, and clean it. And, and she'd freeze it because it's free. You just had to put the effort in. Uh, snap peas and, and, and we never picked peanuts. Uh, we never picked watermelons. I've worked in a watermelon field, but that's neither here nor there for this story. The point is, I mean, he was making below middle class. I mean, he, he was close to the poverty line, my father was, doing his ministry. But people gave out of the kindness of their hearts because my dad was giving. That's what he was doing. He was always there for them. He was giving a service in the church, literally and figuratively, right? He was visiting in the hospital. He was giving comfort to the families that needed comfort. He was investing in their lives, and they invested back. And that's the number one thing I want you to hear today, the first thing I want you to hear, is that to get, you have to give. Right to get to get gratitude, you have to be grateful. It's weird, you know. To to have people invest in your life, you have to invest in theirs. Yay! BC Dodge finally made it. It's awesome. Uh, apparently, he made it twice. He's got two different logos up. Except I'm getting to the great great things that's happening in my life right now. So, I my wife and I have always been that way. We we did spend a lot of time in the church because I grew up that way. It took a while to kind of break free of that, and I found that my energies and my style are better suited elsewhere to help other people than in a church. But when we were in a church, it, I never believed that tithe. Actually, I, I, I've always – I can say I've never truly believed in tithe, ever. I've done it. I thought it, but here in the heart where you live out of your beliefs – I always did it because I didn't want God to be mad at me. And he won't be mad at you. It's whatever. But when we did operate under the belief of tithe, that's a good way to say that. When we operated under that belief, it was never just about giving 10% of the money. We'd always have it set apart or whatever. But if uh, a praise team, right, if a praise team, what's up, Johnny? Back again for another dose of the RGOP. That's right. That's right. The first one's free. Now you got to pay. <laughs> but my point is, my wife and I, we whenever we tithed, it was about what can we do to help out. And I always knew. I knew early on, man, my time, my energy, what, my skills are way more valuable than the money that's in my pocket. Way, I, can do, I can do far more for you in value to volunteer, to help out, to be who I am in your facility, in your, what the hell am I trying to think of, in your team? I don't know. I can do way more that way than I can by giving you, I was making, when we first got married, I was making $22,000 a year, and my wife wasn't making that. She was she was making like 8 bucks an hour, 40-ish hours a week, and we were having a hard time making our bills, um, 
It, it, it was a thing. But my point is, I mean, we, we started off low middle class, my wife and I did. Maybe we filed on 22 total. I don't remember. I didn't make a ton. We didn't make a ton of money. And that's the thing. Okay, let's say it was $25,000. 2, 10% is $2,500, roughly, right? And then we didn't always make it. And we didn't always do that. But the thing was, it's like, no, no, no. Let me, let me come in and speak. You know, let me teach a class. Let me. I was a musician. I knew how to do sound systems. Let me help you with your sound system. Let me help you with your music. Uh, there were definitely times that we took our tithe and bought stuff for a church, a computer, or a set of conga drums, or you know, those kind of things. We, we would donate them to the church. And what pissed me off about that, and I'm going to say this, because here's where gratitude gets shut down. And I know I've titled the show Being Grateful for Nothing. And because I understand when you are dollars up, when you are making the money, and life is good, it's easy to be grateful. And it's easy to understand possibly the truth of your life is that you have always been grateful, period. When you had nothing or when you had plenty, you were always grateful. And because you were grateful, now you really live in gratitude and you have a great life and the money's always coming in. That, that could be, but it could just be an up and down, whatever. It's hard to be grateful when you have nothing. I've luckily, fortunately, no judgment, but I understand where you are financially if this happens. I've never had to live in a trailer in a trailer park. Right. I understand the financial situation you're in if you have to do that. That's some tough times. I have fortunately never had to live on the street. You know, the literal street. We did get taken. And we, it was close. It was close when I was a kid. But, it, yeah, we did have to live with a, at a friend's house. Um, but, again, I mean, there's so many people who have lived in trailers and trailer parks that are happy, that have a great life. You're just because you're, that's, that's my point today. Just because you're poor doesn't mean you're ungrateful or unhappy. You can be. And you maybe sometimes have a right to be depending on your situation. Maybe not ungrateful, but unhappy. But gratitude brings things to be grateful for. That's, that's the paradigm of life. Gratitude brings things to be grateful for. You know, I, I, Johnny's here. He was with me in Tifton. That was the, the, the second church I was just talking about where we'd go out and we'd pick corn and, and beans. And, and deer hunters, every deer season would fill our freezer there with deer meat. Um, and, and, you know, I was grateful that it was easy for people to come hang out at my house because we're at the church, right? So I got to hang out with Johnny all the time and my other friends, Brad, Willis, and and a bunch of my other friends there, you know, we got to do so much stuff. And, you know, it, it's just what I remember. It's, it's mostly been, I mean, we all have our ups and downs. Don't get me wrong. But just because we were poor, the money never affected me. And that actually taught me. That actually taught me how I see money. To me, now money is freedom. Here's why I say that. What money I have get, make, gives, makes me free to help other people. You know, when I get money, I mean, even when things have been tight, my wife has always wanted to to help other people out. And we do. We do help other people out no matter what. We try to because I always feel like that's the other part of gratitude. Things have to be going out to come in, right? So if all I'm doing is holding on to my money and going, oh, my God, I can't make my bills this month. Oh, I'm gonna do that negativity is going to – 
never get me anywhere. But because I come and talk about being the rock out of podcasting and I'm excited about all this stuff and I'm passionate about things, we're making our bills. I mean, for the last three, well, actually, we're coming on four years now. For the last four years, aside from some real, at the first, when I first lost my job, some real low, tough spots, we've made we've made our money. And there came a spot in our life when we were getting ready to move to the house we're in now that we're renting from the house that we own, right? There was a time in life, my wife's like, what are we going to do? And I was like, I don't know. But what I can tell you is we're going to make it through because we always have made it through. We're going to pay our bills because we always have paid our bills. And one or two months, lit, I, I, I'm not exaggerating. Maybe I didn't pay enough attention on how to plan my money or, or where it's coming in. But there's one or two months I'm like, I don't think we're going to make our bills this month. I really don't know what to do, but we have to prepare to ask our parents for some money. And we're grown-ass adults with four fucking children. And I'm preparing my wife and myself for this sh- shameful thing because I want to take care of my family. She wants to take care of her family. We want to be independent. That's been, she and I, that's been our our song and our souls the entire time we've been together is we're independent. We take care of ourselves. It's not a pride thing. It's a, this is what we desire. Not only do we want to take care of ourselves, we want to take care of other people and help other people. That's who we are. So to think about having to ask for bill money, God, is such a burden. It is such a, a punch in the, the stomach. And but then, all, all the bills are paid, and I mean I can I don't remember the exact months, but I can remember specifically two different months. I went, hey, 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 babe, the bills are paid. She's what? How that? I don't know. I mean I could literally obviously I could we were tracking everything. I could go back and say, well this magically came in because we didn't see that coming, or this came in, or that. But it's like I I, I don't know, but the money got paid. So then it, we built this life of we make it through. The bills get paid, and it's been tight, and we've been late on a few things every once in a while. It happens. And come the middle of the month, some months, I really start getting in my head and start overworking it and start going, I don't know if we're going to make the money, and I better I better get this gig, and I better go go work all the time because I can lift, L-I-F-T, lift. It's better than Uber. Uber just fired their freaking founder, so, you know, Lyft is, is much better than Uber. But I can ride here is what I'm saying. And I can do that any time. And I definitely get in these ways of thinking where I'm not grateful for life. I'm not trusting that I'm going to make it through. I'm not taking a moment to breathe. I stress myself out, so then I'm getting up, and I'm turning on my app to drive. And I'm running out, and I'm driving, and I'm coming back, and I'm working on some computer stuff, and I'm driving, and I'm, i got to do this show, and I'm driving. And then at night, I'll go do this trivia gig, and, and I'm just stressing myself out. Right? And you just become negative. And I've had to force myself to breathe. I've had to force myself to play a game. I've had to force myself to cool it for a minute. But then on the flip side, I've actually had to force myself to, no, no, turn the game off, get get something done. Yeah, there's definitely has been that, that swing too. But I'm getting to the greatest the greatest point of all, man. The stuff that's going on right now, it just, it blows me away. So that's where I've come from. It's just, just poor, man. I've, until 2010, Aaron and I got married in 2001. 
And even you know, I told him about my teenage life and everything. I had when I went to college, it had to be one hundred percent paid for myself. Period. So I got scholarships and I got work. Uh, what do they call that? Basically, when you work on campus but you don't get paid, it goes towards work tuition, whatever it's called. I got those programs, and I had some money saved up. My grandparents had had started a coin collection. They one one day collected bicentennial quarters. Okay, they thought work study. Thank you, Johnny. Um, thank you, Mr. Marsh. I appreciate you. <laughs> uh, but my, my grandmother, I had started collecting bicentennial quarters thinking, hey, this will be valuable. But then ultimately, there were just so many of them out there. They weren't more, worth more than 25 cents. But she'd saved them for me for a very long time. I think there was $300 in quarters when we rolled that. And that went towards my college. I mean, no, $600 in quarters. And that went towards my college. I only did a year of college. And then I went and did other stuff, um, EMT and paramedic, all that jazz. My point is, I had to pay for everything in my life. I mean, and my, my mom knew that. I mean, her investment in me was to make sure I was super smart and worked hard so that I could get scholarships and and those kind of things. <laughs> we, we touched on it last week a little bit with the singing. Johnny knows I'm not going to Juilliard anytime soon. So <laughs> I had to be book smart. And even then at college, right? The tuition's paid for, you know, I have to work to keep, I have to keep my job to make sure my school is, is taken care of. But I was just there living my life. It's all it ever was. And uh, Johnny says, money doesn't buy you happiness, but you control, uh, he just, he just says, I got, he streaks my, yeah. Uh, you control how happy you are no matter what the income. Exactly what I'm talking about here. Find the things to be grateful for. I There's a guy. Downtown Atlanta at one of my gigs. Homeless Joe. You can find him on Facebook. That's his name. Homeless Joe. Find me on Facebook. And he's just, he is, he's never, there's some panhandling, or some homeless people. I, panhandling is a negative term. Because I would say, for the most part, the homeless people I deal with in Atlanta are polite and smart and take no for an answer. For, I, I, I don't live downtown, but I do enough downtown that typically I have, decent experiences with it and you know definitely sometimes i help people out uh there's been times where i had food in my hand like a box of pizza or something i was just gonna take home and like hey make him out you know what here's a pizza if you like it and that was the key so if you like it you can have this because i understand just because you're homeless doesn't mean you like tuna fish it doesn't mean you have to eat whatever's given to you i mean come on they're human beings and okay here's a side rant that fucking pisses me off when people get mad that, oh, I did something for you, you should be grateful. Fuck you. You did something for you, and because it was stupid and didn't help them at all, or me at all, I'm not going to be grateful for that because, oh, you know, you weren't on fire, but I pissed on you anyway, just in case. Be grateful. Go fuck yourself. That's what you can do. So to to give homeless people your trash, right? I've got that half-eaten sandwich what the, what the fuck's wrong with you? So I literally, I had, actually I had two pizzas, this specific story I'm thinking of. I was like, I got two pizzas. They're both full. You can have one of them. And you can pick which one you like because I understand you might not like everything on the pizza. And he's like, really? That'd be awesome. And he sat down and we found a place to sit him down. I opened it up and I just stood back and just waited and let who to help us tune on pizza. <laughs> Carl, you're right. That would be a very bad person. Oh, my God. That'd be a horrible person. I bet you Mordant does it. I bet you Mordant does it. Ask him. Ask him about his freaking peas and ketchup and tuna. Oh, my God. It's nasty. 
It is a hot dish. Oh, my God. He almost got banned from my house for that shit. So <laughs> some some people are, are ugly, and they definitely, uh, some people definitely put the wrong things on the wrong, mix the wrong foods. But the cool thing, the homeless guy was just blown away. And I, I stepped back, and he picked, because if it's still cool with you, I, I would like to. Absolutely, dude. And I said, that, that piece is all yours. Enjoy. And because you, tr- you got to treat him like a human being. There have been times people have done stuff, quotey fingers, for me that had nothing to do with my life. Case in point, we were doing a stupid ass. I've ranted about this. I'm not going to rant about it again. But we're doing a stupid ass holiday Christmas program in the office. And, you know, you swap names. But they never had people put down what they wanted. So I got a generic Hibbit Sports card. And the two people that are watching me, oh, there's three people watching me. The two people in the chat room watching me right now, chatting. Johnny and Carl. Carl's newer to my life. I've known him for only two or three years. Johnny I've known for well over 20 years at this point. Uh, I think we were 14 and 13 or something like that. We're we're about the same age. So I think we met when I was 14 years old. Uh, yeah, I think so. And so anyway, uh, he's known me for, you know, I'm not a hip sports kind of guy. I'm not going to go looking for anything in that store whatsoever. Hey, Angie. Good morning. And well, Angie knows I'm not a hip sports uh, kind of guy. So I was like, what the fuck do I do with a $25 gift card to Hibbit Sports? And, you know, my wife and I made the best of it. And we went in there and we, we found something. But it was like, ah, oh. you know, it's hard to be grateful when you don't fucking know me. That's. That's that's a whole other thing. So so we'll get to you know what? I'm gonna flip that right now. Here's how you be grateful when you've got nothing. Never do something to make yourself just feel better, right? And I will do that. If I'm in a funk, if I'm getting stressed about the bills, if I'm worrying about what's gonna happen in my life next, I like I gotta break this shit. Let me let me call my buddy Carl to see if there's something I can help him with. And I won't call up. And I, I won't go, hey Carl, man. I got, you know, I, I don't know what's going on. That does nobody any good. Now, if you need to vent, there's definitely people that I will call and I'll say, hey, I just need to talk about, talk this out. I need to work this out. Something's going on in my life. And, yeah, if you got input, you got input. And that's kind of why I picked you instead of somebody else to call because I think you might have input, but I also know you can listen. That's a whole different story. Well, what I do when I'm trying to break the funk, when I'm trying to get out of it, I will call, you know, Carl, be like, hey, man, what's, go- what's going on with your podcast? How can I help you? What's going on with your network? Uh, let's talk business on GSTU. I will call people outside of my network. You know, for example, I mean, I've never called Johnny to see what I can do for him because I fucking hate that bastard. But, oh, wait, shit. He's here. Never mind. <laughs> no, I love Johnny to death. Uh, he's, he's, he's self-sufficient, and our lives just aren't for whatever reason, connected that way. We don't call each other and go, hey, what's going on? Uh, that, Carl, that Carl dude does sound like an ass. Hello, Scott. How's it going? So what I'm saying is to break the funk is I'll call somebody and say, hey, what's going on with you? I'll call Angie. And instead of saying I've got something on my mind and my heart's weighing me down, I'll just ask her about her life. What's going on with you? How are things with the nephews? And, you know, and it's not always that. Sometimes I just call to actually find out what's going on with my life. But I will invest in somebody else's life and start digging to then see if there's something I can help with. Because if I can help, when I've got nothing coming in, when I feel like I'm capped, when I feel like I'm held down, if i got nothing coming in, I will want to put out. 
And here's a weird thing that happens with that sometimes, too. I just want to spend money sometimes. And it, it makes no sense. And my wife and I did it in a very bad way when we were first married. It's, it's, it's that paradigm, at least in my life, it's that paradigm of when you have no money, when bills say you should be tight, when everything on paper says, okay, if you just behave yourself and keep it thin, keep it tight, you'll pay your bills. Everything in me and my wife as well screams, oh, God, I want to go buy a PlayStation 4. I want to go out to eat on a $100 dinner for two people. You know, that, it just, it, so I found that middle ground. When I'm feeling tight, when I'm feeling pressured, when I'm feeling like I don't know what's going to come next, if we're going to make it next month, any of that stuff, find people to put energy into. Find people to help out with. Even today, you know, I, I'm, I am tired. And I don't even feel it right now. I'm in that groove. I'm hitting it. This is my second cup of this size of coffee because I'm just worn out. And not because of life. It's actually, I just didn't get a whole lot of sleep last night. And I got up and, and did some stuff for my kids. And, and I've already been out today and this kind of thing. But when I get on these shows, you'll rarely hear it. I mean, there's once or twice. I think it was Pokemon Go. I literally fired up. I mean, something had just happened in my life. I honestly don't remember what, but I remember going, fuck life. I I, I, I just, I can't handle it anymore. Shit's getting me down. And I even told Joe and, and Ibbett that, uh, <laughs> Johnny says, that much coffee give me the bubble guts because I'm a man, sir. <laughs> I'm a man. I can handle my coffee. Um, no, anyways. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. It's stupid. But even I told him and Joe that I said, look, I got just a ton of shit going on. I don't really want to talk about it right now. If you, because hosts, friends and co-hosts, they'll, they'll pick up on your vibes, right? They pick up on the things that, and actually your audience can too, but people who don't know you, you can kind of fake it through. People who do know you can pick up on, now there's something going on. You're carrying something. So I told him I'm carrying something. I'm gonna do my best, but if, you, if I feel if you feel like I'm quiet, if I'm withdrawn, it's just because I don't have it in me. And then what's interesting is that microphone kicks on. Now, of course, obviously the microphone's on, so I know. But the show goes, and we're recording. And I always start that show off, and I start it off, and welcome to Pokemon Go podcast, where we're the awesome sauce, blah blah blah, you know, whatever else I add to it. And I was like, oh, man, I really, I don't even want to fucking be on this microphone. I don't want to do this. I fucking hate my life right now. But then something that's been built into me is, but you love talking to people. You're grateful for the chance to talk to people. You love this audience that is Pokemon Go because it's a new type of audience that you've connected with that you've never had before. And they invest back into you. And that's why I was like, I'm going to go ahead and do it. And sure enough, even though I was feeling like this and just pressured and down and heavy that when we hit go i forced it i forced and here's but but forcing it man it kicked me into that habit and i felt great for that hour and we're doing the show and i'm laughing and i'm kind of forgetting about my woes for a moment and then when the show ends five minutes after the show ends i was like oh that was a fucking back here but for that time i was able to do it part of that's because i'm a professional part of that's because who i am uh, of being a talker, being a sharer. But part of that, the biggest part of that is because I am grateful for my life, no matter how hard it is, no matter how poor it is, no matter how minimum wage it is. 
I am grateful for my life. You know, it, it's I'm living the dream. And it's tough. And that's what they never tell you about dreams. Is all you see in your dreams, all you vision is, is the success and what you're doing and, and w- the feelings of what you want to have. But to get there is, is a lot of work. And it's a lot of investment. It's a lot of hard times sometimes. Sometimes. But I love it. I love it. And I really, my wife loves it too. She hates it too. To be real. If we could do, if if I could, stability, man. Stability is, stability is paying your bills on time and having money left over to let her do whatever she wants with the kids or to randomly say, hey, you know what? Let's go out to eat tonight or let's have a special treat to to do nice birthdays, to do nice Christmas. That's what happiness is to her. And that's why, going back to what I said earlier, money is freedom. And I learned that being poor all of my life because we found things to do. We took educational trips because a lot of times, Museums can be free. Educational stuff can be free. We would get with homeschool groups, and they would arrange for a trip. That would be an official school trip, so it would be free, and we could go in. My dad worked with the church, as I established earlier. I got to go to Six Flags for free a lot because he's the youth pastor, and he's taking the youth, and my mom was a good youth pastor's wife, and she helped supervise the youth. But they had two kids, me and my sister. So we get to go along for free, being too young for the group and not having to pay for it. We still get to enjoy these benefits. Because as much as my parents are human beings, as much as there have been plenty of stories I've told where they've had human failures, the thing they were great at was finding a way around. Let's do let's have adventures. Let's have memories. Let's let's stuff is stuff and it'll go away. Let's make memories. Let's do what we can to enjoy our stuff together. When we went to see my grandparents in North Carolina, we'd go find uh we'd always go in the fall. Um before they left well, you know, I don't know. Some not always, but we went in the fall at least once. And all the leaves are changing. And most people love that. I can find it pretty, I just don't care. It's, it's pretty, but I don't travel to the mountains to see it. Uh, but we were in the mountains, and, you know, we're, we're going to all these different overlooks. We're driving around. So it's, it's my grandparents' gas, which they lovingly, like, absolutely, let's take you. Let's go have some fun. Let's do that. Uh, but it's free stuff. You can find free stuff to do. Money does not buy you happiness. So let's get to the good stuff that's going on right now. So when I started podcasting, it really became my own thing, right? It was a thing that I'd always looked for. It was the method I needed to to connect to the world, to find my niche of what I want to do in life. And, again, poor, right? I mean, I'm barely making my – I was bad with my money. Let's be honest here. This is not a financial episode. I can do that. I can talk about my experiences with – Financial Peace University, and maybe I'll do that next week. Maybe I'll talk about the stupid shit I learned about money and how I fixed it. <laughs> Johnny, Johnny says, if you feel like your life is missing something, add more cowbell. <laughs> more cowbell. Um, 
But I, I could talk about that. But in relation to being poor, poor man, happiness is happiness. And I do feel like, and we had to come to Jesus meeting. I'm a, I, I jump around, right? That's what I do on Rock Out of Podcasting. I kind of hit different timelines of, of stories. And within the last week or two, my wife and I came to a point where our kids were just pissing us off with bad attitudes and and not helping each other out and being ugly to each other, which really, really pisses me off. I've stressed. I have, I've never been Catholic in my life. I've only watched stuff on TV. But I have stressed the Irish Catholic lifestyle of family first. Family, I don't care if you go out there and you're a dickhole to some guy. I'll work on that. But in this house, we take care of each other. And when we go out there, we take care of each other. And I had many opportunities uh, here in this neighborhood. Uh, because this is a low-rent neighborhood. If, you know, Let's be honest. This is a low-rent neighborhood. I have a house... That has three bedrooms, two baths upstairs, and a full basement that I'm sitting in with a studio that has a bathroom, another Quoty Fingers bedroom, and a big living space for $850 a month in a decent city. It's a suburb. It's Conyers. So it's a suburb of Atlanta. Now it's outside the perimeter. It's about 30 minutes from downtown. But I understand it's a little rent neighborhood. But I look at what I have. I have my own studio. That I get to do cool shit in. <laughs> you know? So I've stressed with my family. Take care, take care of each other. And they were just being mean. And so my wife and I said, we're done. We've used our words. We've used our words. So many times we've lectured and taught and angry, happy, different situations. So here's what you're going to do. You're a little spoiled. They each, each one of my kids has a tablet. And we've done it on a budget and we've done it well. But each of my kids has a tablet. My kids know how to work the Netflix. So they don't understand commercials or it's 3.30, watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They have no concept of that. They flip on the TV and they pick whatever the hell they want to watch right now, which they do a little too much of. Uh, there's other things with all that. But we said, that's it, done. And I banned them from TV and from technology, all technology. No Xbox playing games, no Wii U playing games, no streaming media you know no tablets no youtube period they had to play with their toys they had to get along and that was going to be life from now on if you earn basically goodwill by help helping out with your siblings and playing together nicely and work you'll earn time on your tablet because that was the other thing we're going to restrict time on the tablets and the tvs throughout the entire week whether you're good or bad we're going to cut that down to a smaller part but if you're in goodwill, and this plays into being grateful, right? This plays into attracting more investment in your life is the word I'm looking for. Because it's not just stuff. It's not just income. It's not getting rich. It's people caring about what you do and investing in your life. You can hear that. Uh, the theft and return of my world is an episode on Rock Out of Podcasting. It's where I got my backpack stolen and got it back. And then, but a lot of stuff was missing out of it. And the community as a whole came through and just, God, it reinvested in my life and it helped me refill that backpack in a beautiful way. And uh, Carlos has a, a question I'm going to, or has a statement kind of, but I'm going to talk about that in a second. Um, you have to invest in other people to get them to invest in you. And I've done that through podcasting. So when I started, that was my whole heart. 
was to to entertain people, to invest. I always knew I had a story to tell. I always knew I had some way to help the world be awesome. I always knew I was destined for greatness. That is a theme in my life. And as I made my way through podcasting and, and, and pieced this together and got that and got a little better microphone, I always, I always connected with people. And the first time, man, I remember this so well, the first time I ever got recognized as a P-list celebrity, P for podcasting, a P-list celebrity, is I called another show I'd been listening to. And they kept putting out their number, nobody's calling in. And I love investing in shows like that. Energy going, no, I love what you do. It's very important as creators that we tell other creators they do a great job. Because we crave that as creators. We want people to tell us we do a great job. And so I did that. I called in their voicemail and said, just said, hey, my name is Charles. I love listening to your show. And I referenced some things they had done that I loved and this and that and the other. And thanks. Keep up the great work. Never referenced that I had a podcast. Never. It was never about self-promotion. It was really about investing in them. And the next episode I'm listening to, like, oh, my God, we got this voicemail. And it's from, I think I went by Big C then. It's from Big C. It's the Big C. And they just lost their shit for a second that the celebrity Big C called in. And it was me. I mean, they they did not have that mistake, and it was me. And I was like, are you – how – do I have a the in front of my name now? Am I recognizable? And I was uh, to a point then. So, you know, just it, – it, it was a, a great give and take, and there's a return on, on – ROI, man. You think ROI is for business, return on investment. No, return on investment is a universal goddamn principle. We call it karma sometimes. We call it putting out to get back. We go, uh, What you do is what you get. Return on investment. When you're happy, when you're thankful for your life. And honestly, my wife and I still talk about it to this day. I don't know when this will go away, if it will go away. She actually the other day said, I don't hate that we lost our house. I love that we built the house. I know we needed something different. And we, we're now really in the mindset of the death house. Where are we going? What do we want to build? And we watch shows like Million Dollar Rooms. We watch shows like, uh, uh, it's from Britain. Uh, it's about self-builders. It's a show in Britain about people who take on a project that they're going to do themselves. And they kind of run the whole thing. And the guy comes in and consults with him, and you watch as his house gets built, and they tell the story over the span of how long ever it took to build the house. And we watch these things, and we go, where are we, where are we going to get? Where are we going to go? And But she, she said the other day, you know, I don't hate that we lost our house. I hate how we lost our house. It was such a hard, rip, destructive way to do it. And I said, no, I get that. But over and over again, we've gone, man. Because of where we are right now, because of going through that hard, awful, dark, traumatic time. God, our life was so much easier when her mother got sick and she could just walk across the yard. I mean, there are days she had to be there five, six, seven times a day. Not often, but it happened once or twice. And even living five minutes, ten minutes down the road, that becomes a major hassle because by the time you get home, you turn around to go back. It's just this, this this bad hassle. Whereas living two houses down from them is walk down, walk the one minute, 45 seconds, whatever, over to the house, do what you have to do, come back, and maybe in an hour you have to go back. Or, or you know, it's, it's whatever. And your own bed is right there. And there were one or two times, not many again, not many, but one or two times in the middle of the night 
that the phone would ring. And she could just walk right over there and come right back to bed. And my job, my career, the stuff I do for income has definitely been considerably way easier because of where I live. So we're grateful. We are grateful that we are here. We are grateful that we went through it and we tried to always make sure we learned lessons from it. Well, one of the lessons we learned is we'll make it through because we always do. So podcasting, that has always been my heart. Invest in people, connect. I was finding my way, doing different things, trying to figure out what the fuck I want to do with my life and, and see what it's like. And I've always been that guy to give away stuff. You know, the first shirt order I ever bought, I, I had bear I still have, I'm not wearing it today, but I still have bear crawling t-shirts that I wear. I don't have any, I have posters left over, old, uh, old posters uh, from my early days that I still have somewhere, I think. Uh, but I paid for $350, got me 30-something shirts. And, uh, or $300, somewhere in there, I don't know. I got 30-something shirts. I gave them all away to people, to listeners, because that's how I love, I love to do I want to be, when I say Oprah's my model, she's the smartest businesswoman that I, I can see and in, in model after in my area of media. I mean, she's, she's always done what, what everybody says she couldn't do. She's always overcome obstacles. She became huge media mogul, right? She has her own network. She's run all kinds of companies, and she's given back to the world. And, of course, what is she famous for? You get a car, and you get a car. Everybody gets a car. That's what she's famous for, and it's, it's fucking awesome to invest in people that way, and I've always wanted to do that. And so I do. On whatever level I can, I do that. As so as podcasting has progressed and as everything's come up, I've always wanted that audience that loved what I do so much, they want to pay me, right? They want to invest their money. They go, man, what you're doing with Rock Out of Podcasting is changing my life. Here's, here's the money I would have given to the church, but I'm not in the church right now. Here's what I give to you. Man. What you're doing with, and we're gonna go to Pokemon Go in a second. But what you're doing with this one is is keep on doing that, and we wanna we wanna be there for you, and that can come in different different ways, right? That can come in sharing with other people the links to the videos, the links to the podcast. Uh, Dragon Con is coming up, and I am not doing a rock out of podcasting panel at Dragon Con because I don't feel like the audience is there yet. The podcast has 50 downloads. The Facebook has a hell of a lot more attraction and interaction. And that's why I'm here, because I love the fact that I get to talk with you and not just to you. And that I can see definitive return on my investment on doing this show. That's not just me being egotistical and think I know everything. I grew up on way too much Clarissa explains it all, but I fucking know everything. <laughs> um, it's the fact that people are getting something out of it, and you're sharing but DragonCon, we are doing Breaking the Panel. And while we don't have a very uh, big Patreon for that, patreon.com. Actually, patreon.com forward slash rock out of podcasting is where you can support me financially. Patreon.com forward slash Breaking the Panel, forward slash Pokemon Go podcast. You know, all that stuff. Uh, rock out of podcasting. Actually, here's the better part. Rock out of podcasting.com forward slash support has iTunes where you can leave me a rating. It has links that you can share. It has all the social media stuff. It has PayPal for one-time donation, and it has uh, a Patreon for ongoing support. So whatever you want to do to connect into what I'm doing here, be here Friday. Uh, not Fridays. Today is Thursday, and it's whenever I can do it. But be here live on Facebook. You know, I've missed Johnny. I think about Johnny a lot. Uh, 
he's just one of my biggest earliest friends that really fucking saw past all the bullshit and all the damage and saw at least parts. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but saw parts of who I was to be, parts of who I truly was, and put up with all the fucking bullshit that went on with it. Because there was a lot. Um, honestly, to a point, he's at it tougher than my wife. To a point. Although he 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 got to back off and leave whenever he wanted. And she's She truly has had the toughest part of my life, without a doubt. But I was way rougher before I met her. And, and Johnny met me a long time ago. Anyway. I've always wanted that audience that just, or fans. Oh, God. Oh, my God. There's Rock Out Podcasting. Uh, and they get nervous around me. And not that I want you to be nervous. I want you to understand I'm a person. But I've always wanted fandom. I'm going to be honest. I've always wanted fandom. I've always wanted true people like Johnny and Angie and Laura Pooter and Carl Dodge and Phil Ramos and Chris Wisdom. And even though he doesn't listen often, uh, he's in my life. Paul Klotz, Brian Abbott, these guys who understand what I'm saying, understand who I am, get it, and either want to work with me towards my vision or some other way just be a part of the conversation. It doesn't matter how you do it. Being invested in my life is what I've wanted people to do. And I've always wanted that in podcasting. And then now, let, let me be shallow for a second. I've always wanted boxes. I've always wanted to be that podcaster that the audience is just sending stuff to uh, because they like, I thought of you. I think this would be fun for you to talk about on your show. I never, ever want to do the taste weird shit. You send me some weird stuff from India or China, cricket, chocolate. Thank you, trash. I am not fucking touching that shit. I, I, mm mm, mm. But I've always, uh, uh, I, I remember when two guys won brain. They were, they got me really addicted to podcasting, and I did a lot with their show throughout the years there. But I remember when they were doing their first meetup, and I don't remember if it was an anniversary or what the deal was. But they were doing a meetup at their house, and I couldn't go. No, it was their second meetup. The first one was in Vegas. They flew me out to Vegas. They flew me out to Vegas because they knew I was poor, but they knew I was a part of the show. They really wanted me to be there. And I was so grateful because here I am investing in people. I knew, I've always known, and I think this is true for everybody. Hey, Ray. Man, it's been so long since you and I have chatted. Thank you for joining in. I don't know if this will be relevant to you, but I just wanted to say, Ray, I miss you, man. I missed our talks when we, we played uh, the Marvel game together way back when. Um, anyway, I, I knew that my energy, my skills, my time were way more valuable than any money I could ever give anybody. Now, I'm not going to tell that to a homeless person, right, because money is what they want. Do they want drugs? I don't give a shit. Do they want alcohol? I don't care. I mean, there's a guy that I didn't have any cash on me, or, and I really needed to be somewhere else. But he's like, hey, man, I'm not going to ask you for money. But, and there was plenty of places to eat right around there, from McDonald's up to Hard Rock Cafe, you know. Uh He's like, I, 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 but if you could just take me, I just want to prove I'm getting money. And I, I waved and I was like, look, I'm sorry. I don't have anything for you today. I, I apologize. And I did. I meant it. I apologized. Because that's a fine tactic to be. But I also wanted to tell him, and if I tell him, like, dude, I, I don't care if you want alcohol. It's your life. It's your choice. If I lived on the streets, I want to be fucked up, drunk, or high. All that. Because it's a goddamn miserable life. You're living on the street. But you find you might can find happiness, and I was talking I was talking about homeless Joe. That let me go back to that for a second. Homeless Joe. So one of the gigs I go to, he comes up to me, and a lot of homeless people will say, "Hey, you know, I got off on my rant about how you treat homeless people or how you do stuff for other people just for yourself." But coming back to that, the good of that was, 
There are many homeless who see me pulling my gear out of my trunk. Hey, man, you need, you need a hand? You need a hand? And it's always to get some money. And I get that. And they will help. Uh, there have been times where I had, I'm thinking, you know what? I got five, ten bucks in my wallet. Sure. Yeah, you can help me out. And they'll carry my speakers. They'll come in. You need anything else? Nope. Here, I'm good, man. I appreciate you. And I shake their hand like a goddamn human being. Look them in the eye like a human being. I appreciate you. Thank you very much. And here's some money. And, and But when I don't have it, I, I do wave them off. But homeless Joe came over. He never asked to help. He never asked for money. He's like, hey, you're going to be doing something here every uh, – yes, sir, I'll be here every Sunday night. He's like, I'm, I'm homeless Joe. Everybody in the area knows me. I stay right over here. And he pointed to the empty parking lot. I'll put a cone out here. I'll put a cone out here. You're a VIP, man. We're going to make sure you have a parking spot every time. Which, where I'm parking is right next to the Fox Theater. So when they start doing Sunday night shit or late Sunday afternoon stuff that rolls over, that's going to be important. I don't know if he can enforce it. I don't know if he can keep it for me. But by God, if he can fucking make me a spot, that's awesome. And I came home and told my wife, I was like, I don't mind giving him money. He's never once asked for money. But I was like, let's do something better. Let's make him some food that I can take with me, hot plates. you know." And she got into it. She was showing to, oh, I can make a goodie bag of blankets and, or uh, of gloves that he can have and, uh, and this and that and the other and food and money. And like, go for it, baby. I mean, she's going to make a, a homeless man survival kit is what she's going to do. And that's awesome. And that was the thing. He's just investing. He never asked for money. He never put off a vibe helped me out. He was just grateful to see me. And my God, it made me grateful for him. And gratitude can turn a situation around. There's one last story I want to tell. Back to podcasting. So I've always wanted that stuff. I just wanted boxes to show up at my house because I fucking love I don't know what it's been. Ever since I was a kid, I always wanted to check the mail because that magic thing may just show up in the mail. Socks. <laughs> you know what? I would get excited that a box came. And if there were socks in it, I was like, all right. All right, you motherfuckers. Y'all listen, because you know I bitch about getting socks for Christmas. But I love that you listened enough to know that that's a thing for me, and you still trolled me by buying socks and sending them to me. I'm going to give them some homeless people. Or if I need socks, I'll take it. But, you know, uh, that see, I can even find gratitude in that, Carl, is that you listen enough, you know me well enough to know that I'm like, you son of a bitch, you bought me socks. And here I am, six six weeks ago, we do Pokemon Go podcast. No, I did not, Angie. I did not. I did not. She asked, she says, uh, you didn't get enough uh, uh, Christmas presents when you were a kid, did you? Uh, and the answer is, is no, ma'am. I, I, I feel like I, I did not. And here I am. So I'm doing Pokemon Go podcast, and we've built a great community. As Evan and I do, we are community builders. And it turns out Joe Ard, who came with the show, is a community builder. That's what we do. We're very good at being in a niche of a specific game, and we're very good at building a community. And uh, speaking of podcast, uh, Pokemon Go podcast community, there's Terry Wolf. And we've built this community over there. And it's just such great. I've never ever had to get on to anybody <laughs> i'm not driving terry no i'm not on my way to chicago yet i'm flying i leave tomorrow i'll get there tomorrow afternoon i'm not driving i don't have to leave today uh terry's so excited god damn you terry for getting me sidetracked but terry's he's so pumped up for this festival he started like two weeks ago like whoo it's gonna be epic and i'm like yeah and then like oh man we don't go for two weeks stop that <laughs> so and it's just you, Angie. It's just you. 
All right, so we're building this community, right? And it's people like Terry Wolf who just, just passionate about what they do and never once, never once in any of our groups have I had to say to anybody, hey, that, that's, that's uncalled for. Let's, let's talk differently to people. Never once have I had to kick or ban or go, oh, man, this is an issue. In fact, the only issues that seem to ever come up on Pokemon Go Podcast are when I make bad jokes. That's it. Great community. And we've got a great Patreon group. And the money is not only supporting the show, it's supporting the network business, which it, the show wouldn't be here without it. Because, because of that Patreon and how smart we are with our business, w- the money that we split off there does put some in my pocket that I turn around and give to other people. I don't make a dime on that show, but I use it to help supplement what I do for other people. Brian Ibbett and Joe Ard, I, I think Joe uses some of it. It's great. And that more power to you, Joe, man. You should. To, uh, you, I'd love that a podcast can help take care of your family. Thank you, Terry, for loving my bad joke. Um, and Ibbett turns around. I mean, he says it's beer money, but anytime the show needs anything, he never even asks. He just takes care of it. And then if it's something in true business form that we need to cover, he'll he'll tell us about it, and we we, we cover it. And it's been amazing. In my entire 12-year tenure as a podcaster, to be able to say my podcast not only breaks even, we pay three hosts a small amount of money, but we pay three hosts some income, and it maintains its own business. That's amazing. But on top of that, we have some people there who are just love to give and just love to help. And it comes in so many directions. I want to say with Terry, I'm so grateful for Terry because he's been my biggest cheerleader. When there was a time, maybe the public doesn't know all of it, and I'm not going to drag all the mud through the, the all the laundry through the mud, or however the fuck you say that phrase. But there was a time when all I got was hate. All I personally got was hate on iTunes. All I got was it was trash in the email. And those are some emails we didn't read. But and to to now have my own fans, right? Casey Hancock and and Terry Wolf, who both followed this show and Breaking the Panel, and you know, they're my fan. They they and. You're cool people. Don't think, you know, it's not you're my fans. You, you, I think you understand. I, I'm not going to worry about this day. I'm going to worry about, I'm going to keep on. You get the energy. You love it. Six weeks ago, Pokemon Go or Niantic announced that they were going to do this big festival. And that's not how I run my life. My shit is planned a year in advance. My shit is planned six months in advance. So when you, you announce something six weeks out, nope. I am. I have no time to plan money for it. I have no time to, well, <laughs> shut up, Angie. It's like you hated on iTunes. I do hate iTunes, but that's not who hated me. It's people on iTunes who hated me. Uh, anyway, I know. Uh, shut up. Y'all keep distracting me. I'm going to stop looking at the chat room. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I, six weeks for me, I'm the Titanic, man. I have got my wife and her family doing stuff. I've got me and all the gigs I do to make money. I've got no vacation time. I, I have no way to request for shit. I cannot do my job, and somebody will cover it, and I can come back and do it later. That's not a problem. I don't get paid if I don't work. So six weeks out, I'm like, nope, that ain't going to happen. And Brian found out he, he literally could not go, and Joe found out he literally could not go. And I, I told the guys, guys, I don't have the money. There's just no way. And he's like, well, let's see if we can get it fun. Let's see if, if our fans care enough about the show to want us there. And it's not a, 
do you really care? It's a, hey, is this important enough? Because if it's, if it's important, people will put the money in, right? If it's not so important, they're like, all right, we'll be the every guy. That's kind of my specialty. I'm the every man, right? And I'm going to play the games, and I'm going to do what I do. Uh, and we'll be the every man on this side, not going to the festival, and we'll be representing everybody who didn't get to go. No problem. But guess what? The community wanted us to go. The community stepped up to the GoFundMe. It's uh, <clears throat> because it's still open, because I'm not going to close it until after the festival. I have stopped really asking for money, but if you care, it's Pokemon Go Podcast. I mean, I'm sorry, it's GoFundMe.com forward slash Pokemon Go Podcast. Uh, if you want to put it in there, that's fine. But people did. I mean, people put in a significant amount of money to really help. And then some other money came in from a different source that finished it off. So I technically, out of the money I earned, I'm not paying a dime to go to this festival. <laughs> I love my life. What? That is what I'm talking about. Being grateful for nothing. I, I just spent the last hour and 20-some-odd minutes telling you about how I came from nothing and how I've been poor. And even now, I'll tell you, I filed on $33,000. I'm renting my home in a low-rent neighborhood. My wife is super busy with the kids, and her mom, she has no income. I mean, not her mom, her family. Her mom passed away. But she's still invested in her family, and I'm doing what I can. And here it is, this trip that I never would have dreamed of taking, going through this once in a lifetime because it's the first one ever, period. They may have more. They may have decades of these to come. But this is the first in a lifetime. I was there for the first one. It is crazy how that, that is happening. And then, Terry, I, if you donated, I think you did. I can't remember. But what I, what I do remember, Terry, what I want to focus on you is what he gives back is that cheerleader. What he's doing right now in the chat room, right now. Thank you to those that have helped. Uh, not only did you help Charles, but those that get to meet him because of your help. And he goes, I would have helped, but I had to worry about having enough cash for me and my daughter. Dude. But that's the thing. Now he's having Snorlax because he's been in the Twitter and he's been in the Discord chat and he's been in everywhere going, we are going to get you all this cool shit in the game while we're there. We're going to band together and get you what you need. We're going to have this experience, which to me, experience tops everything. Experience tops everything. I don't remember how much I spent on I Love the 90s concert last summer, but that was the first date, major date my wife and I had. That's the first concert she and I had been to since before kids and we used to go to concerts decently enough it, it, we both love music we both love the same music we've been to a number of concerts i heart the 90s came through with salt and peppa and all these other 90s hip-hop bands and i had my tax money and i spent i don't remember how much the tickets were but i can tell you i remember every moment of that concert i remember dancing with her i remember singing with her i remember making out with her because goddamn we were kids again you know not that we, I mean, we make out often enough i mean we've been married 17 years and some people still think we're newlyweds but that's because i have a great marriage and i can talk about that at some other time too my point is experiences matter and terry has has become the largest cheerleader on the experience and everybody's with him everybody's going is with him and, and I do want to mention two other people specifically because beyond the fact that I'm going to have this experience I never would have dreamed possible when it's left to my own device, I went, nope, I'm not going. But I left the door open. Being grateful for just having an, a, a show that I can tie in with, with this game is amazingly enough. Being grateful that we have people who listen, who are in our community, who are vocal 
who love what we do is is great is, is enough. Being grateful that we have this Patreon support that pays for stuff that we do with the show and keeps the business running. Oh my God, that's that's great. And now I get to go have this experience. But on top of that, two people I really really want to shout out is Paul Puff, who's just been an amazing guy, who is always there for the show. He and, and here's the thing. Here's where I get funny. I've, I've I'm still working on this for my past. Because growing up in the church, and I have to tell the story real quick. An hour and a half is using my sweet spot. I'm at an hour 28. It might go a little beyond an hour and a half today because I still got one more thing about being grateful changes the world. And this is a big story about that, being grateful. All my gratitude through my life, especially in podcasting, especially in podcasting, I've always been grateful to be able to have this microphone. This is what's made me sane. This has been my therapy throughout my life. This has, has kept me going. So I'm grateful to even have this and have the podcasting world to be in. But Paul Puck has always been there. To, he, he got me the Pokemon Go Plus uh, when it came out. He, he, he's been there. He's been a big supporter of our community, and he's been there to help out. But where I'm funny about saying what he's done for me right now is because growing up in the church, it could cause problems, right? Some people say, hey, I'm going to use my, my Funko Pops as reference because they're in front of me. Hey, Deadpool gave me three thousand nobody's giving me three thousand dollars but deadpool gave me three thousand dollars just because he loves what i do how amazing is deadpool why aren't you like deadpool some people and i grew up with so much of that where they used it as a stick to guilt other people and hey why aren't you like deadpool over here then now i got ultron then the other way is like oh my god Ultron's so amazing, he came in and he bought me a car when I needed a car. And he paid my mortgage this month. And Ultron's going, come on, man, shit. I don't need people knowing I'm doing that. because." And for the podcast, I'm actually holding Ultron up like he's talking to the camera. <laughs> Go check it out. Facebook.com forward slash rock guy podcasting. Hey, man, goddamn, people are going to think they can come ask me for shit. Why'd you tell them about that? That was just for us. Oh, my God. And they get embarrassed or they get stressed because they wanted to do it as a private thing to connect. You know, and I understand that that's out there. And I, I know that being grateful doesn't necessarily mean lining out everything somebody's done. But I am so grateful for Paul Puck because beyond supporting the show, beyond donating to help me get to the fest, he has just goddamn made sure that I'm going to have one of the best experiences ever. And honestly, while we're there, I have no, I don't hide anything. And you should know that about me. I don't hide anything. So if you want something never told in public, you need to tell me this is for us. And I will say, if somebody goes, now, if Paul Puckett said that this is for us, and somebody goes, hey, what did he do for you? You know, that's between me and him. I, I don't hide anything, but he wanted to keep it for us. And I want to do that. I respect that. Uh, but in this case, if, if we're at the meet and greet and you ask, I'll tell you, it's fine. But then, then, oh, my God, Barry Falk. Barry Falk has been such a fucking force in making this event happen. He has done so much to, to get me there, to, to, to just above and beyond everything. And I'm so grateful because this is the life. I want to be these gentlemen. I am Terry. Absolutely, I'm Terry. Man, you and I are cut from the same cloth. Is yeah, I, if I were taking my daughter, I, I'm sorry, I can't give you 30, 40, 50 bucks, 10 dollars 
Like that, I'm trying to make sure she has a good experience. Dude, I'm there. And I'm the biggest cheerleader. I don't invest time. It, you know, roles reversed, and you needed help, and you will need help, and we're going we're gonna to raid together. I'm all about let's help each other. You and I are on the same level right now. Paul Puck and Barry Folk are the guys I want to be, and I've always tried to be, is whatever they do in life, they have the means to help others be awesome, and they have zero hesitation in doing it. And they take pleasure. They take their joy out of seeing other people happy is what it seems like. And that's that's what I want to be. That's what I want to do. That's where money brings freedom. But I can be grateful for nothing. I have low income. I have nothing. Ain't got shit, right? (laughs) That's the phrase. But I'm grateful for what I have. And when uh, when we do more stuff, you know, dude, if I could, we gave away two bands, uh, two passes to the festival because of a listener, because uh, Stephen Radke was so awesome, and he's part of our Patreon, and, and I think actually, I'm pretty sure he actually helped to get me there too. Um, it shouldn't be no, 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 no. Pokemon Go India is not my link. That is not me at all. I'm pretty sure. I think it's Pokemon Go podcast. Um, that's, uh, you might double check that. If you don't see my face on it, that, that, you know what? I'm going to have to click that link. I gotta, I gotta check this, this out. Make sure somebody's not spoofing something somewhere. Anyway, um, but they, they have the mean, yeah, yeah. That's not me, Angie. That's somebody else. Um, that's, that's definitely somebody else. My, it's Pokemon Go podcast and my face is on it. Um, it's okay. No, it's, you know, see, but you're trying to help. I am not calling you down. I'm just trying to help you help me. Right. Help you. Help me. Show me the money, Jerry. Show me the money. Help you. Help me. <laughs> help me. Help you. Anyway, um, but where these guys stand in life, they they never hesitate to help out in any way they can. And that's my next level. That's where I am energetically. That's where I am with my skills. That's where I am with my heart. I have I have no money to back that up. So I will go and share what I have in abundance with everybody else. Then the last story I want to tell about how gratitude changes the world is last week I talked about going to a gig uh, before it started and trying to set up the audio and trying to set up the video. And this old man was just, yes, ma'am, that's it right there. Pokemon Go podcast. Thank you very much. But I talked about how this guy just set me off and he would not listen. He just kept pushing my buttons and pushing my buttons. And then I just broke him down. I just hit him like, Bam, with the truth. How? How are you going to do that? And there was no answer because I knew there was no answer because I know what the fuck I'm talking about. And it left a really bad taste in my mouth, and I kind of, you know, obviously I went at it. Well, the gig started Tuesday night, this past Tuesday night. And I get there 45 minutes early just to make sure everything's good, and I, I see the assistant general manager, and I see the owner, and, and they're, they're setting me up. And awesome, everything's going well and smooth, and I'm sitting on a table, and all of a sudden this old man's in my face, and I'm like, my first reaction is like, what the fuck are you doing here? Instantly set me on edge. And I, he, he never told me what he's doing there. I didn't ask him that way either. But uh, I figured somebody had asked him to be there to make sure everything went smooth. Well, sure enough, the owner had asked him. And, I mean, he was hitting my buttons again. He called my shit cheap. And it's not cheap. He called my shit old. All the stuff I use is within a year, other than my cable and my microphone. I've had those for a long time. The amp's a year old. My computer's 
fairly fucking. It's like, no, you didn't say. No point does he take responsibility for his system. And no point does he even check his system to see what he can do. He just blames everybody else. And I finally had enough. And I texted my boss, my contact. It's whatever. I contacted Josh and said, why is he here? He's he's stressing me out. I honestly, and I said it this way because I never complain about anything to Josh. I'm always the guy that helps out. I I never I think I think Laura is is listening and she's messaging me. Um, oh, uh, that's different. Okay, yeah, yeah, cool. She she's not she's got a question for a future podcast. Thank you, Laura. I just wanted to check it because Facebook's being a little weird today. Not everybody's getting into the chat room correctly. Um, anyway, and he's just he. I, I text Josh and I'm like, why is he here? He's here. I never want him on my gig again, ever, because he is stressing me out. I had shit going. I had a good energy. I could. I was cleaning up the audio, and he's just touching my shit and pissing me off. And Josh texted me back and said, no, I hear you. Uh, he's Erica's owner, wanting there. But uh, he's got Asperger's. And I was like, now if you're on the podcast, that dead silence, there's a face that goes with that dead silence. But I'm looking at my text going, you couldn't have fucking told me that when I met him. That would have been helpful because now I feel bad because I did set him off that first day because he touched my shit and he wouldn't listen. And I'm treating him like a normal human being who should be respectful and listen, not somebody who has an issue that they have no control over and have to do things a certain way. I could figure out how to talk to you if you give me a chance, any human being, but definitely with Asperger's or anything on Spectrum. I can I can take that into consideration and totally change mannerisms and everything that might not change when I think you're just being a dick. And so I was like, fine. I just stepped back. I stopped arguing with him. I, I let him do his thing. The owner had him go buy a soundboard because that's what he said we needed. The real, the real answer is there's something wrong with the system he set up. He cannot admit that. He won't even go fucking check it. But he keeps finding these other ways. He came back in with the soundboard. And we swapped out the, my amp real fast and put the soundboard in. He made me swap out my goddamn cables and my goddamn microphone, which goes, none of that's wrong, you jackass. It's your system. Okay, but I went, okay. Now I go, he's got Asperger's. Now here's here's the back end of gratitude, okay. If I had just been grateful and said, you know what, he's here to help. The owner wants him here. I'm going to be grateful for the help. Let me find a way to be thankful for the help. Nope. That is a human being, and I was like, fuck you, asshole, but fine, I'll let you do it. I tolerated him. I tolerated him because I knew the owner wanted him there, and I, I, am, super, I am so professional, and I know when the time to say, fuck this guy, he didn't know what he's talking about, and I know when to say, we could talk later about this. I want you to walk away knowing I did everything that you wanted me to do to help you out, and we'll talk about what I do differently later. So he goes off. I'm doing the game, and people are complaining about the sound. Like, yeah, you know, we're working. I'm doing the thing. Yeah, absolutely. It's a new system. We got one more piece of equipment. We just didn't know we needed it. We're working on it. We're going to do the TVs next week, all this jazz, you know. And, um, you know, I, I'm doing a professional thing, and people are coming. Well, he brings in the soundboard. It does work. It do, he fucking cranks it way too loud, but I, I adjust it back. And I even ask him. I even ask him at that point because it is fixing the problem. We're hearing clearly. But I know I have an automation in my voice. Hey, let me do this. Hold on. I know I have a lot of bass in my voice. 
And so I have to turn on me personally, especially in a big echoey restaurant or where speakers are, you know, where it's not just headphones, where it's not just a fully controlled studio situation. I know I have to turn the bass way down. Oh, I turned my mids up. That's what fucked me up there. I know I have to turn the bass uh, way down to hear be uh, to be heard more clearly. Right. So uh, I asked. I said, "Hey, is it cool?" Do that. I'll, I'll, for Angie, I'm gonna do this again. Is it cool if I turn the bass all the way down? He's like, "No, no, don't do that." So I, I, I waited till he disappeared, and I left it kind of muffled. But everyone's like, "Oh yeah, it's much better." And then I turned the bass all the way down. But I said, "Okay." Sure, but see, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm fucking doing. But I learned my lesson in a moment of where I could have been an asshole, where I could have just tolerated him, which is an asshole move. Even though outwardly I'm being professional, I'm being kind, I'm running the game, you know, this. Inwardly, I'm ungrateful for this dude to be in my face and in my space. But I'm trying to see, I'm trying to take steps. So I asked him, oh, no, no, don't do that. Well, after he was happy and, and he quit hovering around me and he went and sat down and ate some dinner, I fixed it my way. And I changed the volumes to what I wanted, period, because I know what I want my show to be and how I'm going to run it. I know it doesn't have anything to do with him. But when the sound worked, before he stopped hovering, I made sure to smile at him. And I meant it because I couldn't leave to go fix this. If I was left to my own devices, it was going to be muddied, muddled, questions that they had to tolerate the whole time and then next week might be better and maybe they won't come back maybe they're like no that's kind of a shitty experience they might not fix it maybe they won't come back but because he was able to leave and go get the equipment that the owner wanted to help me out i made sure to look at it like dude that is way better thank you i appreciate you and i shook his hand i looked him in the eye and i meant it i appreciate you changed Everything. I mean, he lit up. He had done a great job. He was happy. I went on with my game much happier. And people were like, oh, that's so much better. Like, yeah, you know, he did a great job. And we thank you. I'm glad to hear that it's better. It changed my reality. Choosing to be grateful for nothing. Because, honestly, if he had done his job right in the first place, it would be fine. If he had not have been there, I would have said to the owner, show me where the the back-end system is, and let me adjust it. Let me look at it. I would have done steps to fix the ultimate problem. We still are going to fix the ultimate problem. But because he was there, he was part of the problem, but he became a part of the solution. And taking those steps to see what was good in it. I could have done it all. He did nothing special, but I found the special. I was grateful for nothing. And there you go. I want to say thank you to everybody for tuning in today. Damn, hour and 45 minutes. Apparently, gratitude for me is a huge thing because I, I, I went along on it. You can tune in whenever I show up live on Facebook. Again, there's no schedule at this time. I would love to work towards a schedule. That is on my hopes and dreams board to find a schedule to do this every week so you know exactly what time and what day to tune in. But until then, subscribe, follow that live button, that live notification button on Facebook.com forward slash Rock Auto Podcasting. Email me, rgop at charlesmcfall.com, and send me those questions. Or do like Laura DePooter was doing today, message me. You can message Rock Auto Podcasting on that page. If you're my friend, Charles McFall, I, if I recognize you, I'll accept your friendship. If I don't, I might not. 
uh, I've learned some lessons about just accepting everybody as my friend on Facebook. But if you have that ability to message me, message me through Facebook. Twitter's at RockGunnaPod. I was going to say you can message me there, but really I don't follow I don't follow very many people on Twitter. Twitter for me is an outlet. It's a way to announce things. I do have some minor conversations, but I'm a wordy motherfucker. Twitter keeps me contained, and I'd much rather talk on Facebook than Twitter. But Twitter's at RockGunnaPod. You will find some content there. RockGunnaPodcasting.com. You'll find the Speak Pipe tab, also a contact page at the bottom. And, of course, forward slash support gets you to everything of every way you can help out. I look forward to seeing everybody that I'm going to see in Chicago coming up this weekend. And again, plan on DragonCon. While I'm not doing this panel, I'll be rock out of potting all over the panels at DragonCon this year. So DragonCon podcasting track, come find me there. Uh, you know what? If you're in the Macon area, I could use your help. If somehow you're near Macon, Georgia, and you can go to Locos on Riverside Drive on Wednesday nights, I could use your help. We're doing trivia there, and we're having a tough time getting the game going. So if you hear me and you can do that every Wednesday night, game starts at 7.30 p.m. If it starts, we have to have four teams. And the last couple of weeks, it hasn't started. So, yeah, if you can hear me to do that, that'd be awesome. If you're in the Atlanta area, I do karaoke Friday nights at Brookhaven, at uh, Hudson Grill in Brookhaven. And I do karaoke Sunday nights at uh, PDH, which is public. No, yeah, public draft house by the Fox Theater. PDH, public draft house. Do karaoke there as well. So come find me everywhere that I am. Uh, thank you, Angie. You have a great day, too. Thank you, Carl and Terry and everybody who has come out and today. And, oh, you know, I don't have my music ready, so let me let me get that playing there. It's playing in the background. Let me make sure that my voice is not going to come back on me. And, you know, I do. I hope everything that I do comes through as love. I love what I do. I love my life. I love who I am. And my whole intent of this is to inspire you to love your life. And if you don't have the life you love, change that. Get the life you love. Now go out, invest in somebody's life, tell them you love them, and tell them you mean it.